We are back. Austin Gale here, the host of the 2 for 1 Drafts podcast. Going to preview the show a bit. Notre Dame canceled their game. That's always brutal to see. The SEC is back. Going to preview a handful of those matchups. We're also going to talk about rookie offensive tackles. This tackle class was an all-timer, and they're already showing out to start. We're going to talk Jedrick Wills, Mekhi Becton, Tristan Wirfs, etc. Then we're going to get into our classic preview. We're going to look at matchups, prospects to watch, rookies to watch for the upcoming weekend, and make a handful of green line picks, courtesy of PFF Green Line. Some betting picks ahead of of the weekend slate. Let's get into it. Mikey Mike, we are back in this thing. Two for one drafts, ready to rip it up and preview these weekend's games. But before we do that, Golden Domers are in tears right now. Brady Quinn can barely get out of bed this morning. Notre Dame cancels their football game due to uh, coronavirus concerns. I think they had a handful of positive tests, four total positive tests. How are you coping with this Notre Dame cancellation? It hurts. Uh, I'll be honest because this was the last nice weekend, too. It was going to be like 80 this weekend. I was going to watch it outside. It was going to be a fantastic time. And I was going to enjoy one of the best prospect matchups of the weekend as well. Carlos Boogie Basham was going up against Liam Eikenberg. Two potential first-rounders there going head-to-head. Eikenberg's been fantastic this year for Notre Dame. That whole offensive line has been fantastic. Now, it was going to be a bloodbath. They were going to, they were going to boat race Wake Forest for sure. So mm-hmm. hopefully we get to make it up so I can still see that you know blowout. Yeah. But that would have been nice to have this weekend. But I mean, the last this time is just the, Notre way, the Dame, world we live in now. The last time you watched Notre Dame outside by your pool, you drank like 22 Miller Lights and didn't live to see 4 o'clock. So I feel like it's almost good well, for your health. 8 o'clock. 8 o'clock. It was almost good for your health that Notre Dame isn't playing football this That weekend. actually is true. But I, I'm sure you'll find a way. You'll find a way to get it done. Because guess what else is back this week? Or not back. SEC. SEC, SEC is back. We're going to see... Legit SEC college football teams play this weekend. Got a handful of really good games on the schedule, in my opinion. I, I, I'm there's good games from a prospect perspective. There's a handful of wide spreads, you know, two, three score spreads. But you got LSU versus Mississippi State, Tennessee versus South Carolina, um, Georgia versus Arkansas, which Arkansas has been a doormat for a while, but still, I'm just excited to see an SEC brand of football on the slate. What's a game or a prospect matchup? I know we got some down later, but what's a game or a prospect matchup you're looking forward to this week? It is crazy though. I, the one I want to see is actually i just want to see how kyle trask looks mm-hmm. you know is he taking that next step because he didn't have one real game last year that had that was like an outstanding grade like he, he was kind of just solid throughout i want to see if he takes that next step into uh you know like 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 joe burrow last year where it was just like from the rip you could tell something was different about joe burrow than he was the year before so i think that's what i want to see especially against the old miss team that not great. Like he should, he should blow them out. That's the funny thing, though, is this weekend you didn't really get any sort of top matchup in the SEC. They're yeah. back, but no real. The closest kind of spread, I think, is Tennessee versus South Carolina in South yeah. Carolina, and then with that game too, it's a three and a half spread with Tennessee favored by three and a half. I, I, I didn't have this highlighted in my prospects to watch, but I do kind of want to see Israel Mukaamu take the football field because he looks like an alien playing outside corner. He's like six foot four, two ten or something along those lines. Brain like, Rounder. He incarnate. is he is massive. The only tape I remember him for right now is when Jerry Judy put him legitimately in a washer dryer combination and shrunk him down to uh, a foot because it was just a disaster by all means with the in that matchup. We didn't bring this up. We were talking alma maters at the top here. Mm-hmm. Mountain West 
is considering coming back to football. San Diego State football may live. So just letting you know, if you're not watching Notre Dame, San Diego State could be on the horizon for you, Mike. Tariq Thompson, right? Tariq Thompson. There's a handful of other good players on that yeah. team. I mean, they, 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 this is an elite roster <laughs> in the Mountain West. All right, let's jump into the NFL here. I want to talk rookie offensive tackles. Before the 2020 draft, you said the best position group in the 2020 draft is the offensive tackles. And right now, well, up there, a wide receiver and offensive tackles. But I, yeah, I thought the offensive tackle class was about as rare, though, mm-hmm. in terms of talent. It just didn't go as deep. You had the elite talent, though, at offensive tackle that you didn't see uh, in every class. And so far, through admittedly two games, I think it looks like it. Like, they're, they're living up to expectations. I mean, right now, you look at the grades, there's been 15 total offensive linemen, and I think eight or so offensive tackles, rookie offensive linemen and rookie offensive tackles that have played at least 50 snaps this year. At the top of the list, a guy that we doubted compared to the consensus, I'd say. We were lower on compared to the consensus. Makai Becton, the New York Jets left tackle, has played 121 snaps this year and has earned a 79.7 overall grade, 72.6 in pass protection, and an 80.2 in run blocking. He's throwing dudes as a run blocker. This guy is burying kids as a run blocker. I've been really impressed with his play, well willing to eat the fact that, you know, maybe we were, we over, we over exaggerated his lack of true pass protection snaps over exaggerated just yeah we he didn't have them yeah he didn't have they they just he it was that uncertainty Mm -hmm. but now he's showing that you know if he would have had them probably would have looked pretty damn good on him i mean he's looking very good to start and in addition to that you also have tristan worse with a 76.4 overall grade this um so far this year jedrick wills a 66.4 and you're talking high 70s to like middle to high 60s that's a very good grade for rookie offensive tackles especially and I want your opinion on this especially with an abbreviated offseason and no preseason football yeah. do these tackles have an advantage over previous tackles is it because the defense isn't well prepared I don't know what's going on because like we said it a thousand times in the summer that mm-hmm. it's going to be hard for rookie offensive linemen to come in and be great Mikai Becton's already great Tristan Wirfs is up there Jedrick Wills is holding his own how are these guys doing it? Well, it's it's a position every year. It's, it has nothing to do with the abbreviated offseason. I would argue that in terms of all positions affected, it's probably the least affected. Yeah, yeah fair. Like abbreviated offseason, O line, D line, your your role is so simple on any given play that you're not you don't need necessarily. Mm-hmm. Like that's why Jadavian Clowning gets signed five days before the season and come in. And play. And there's no you know there's no learning curve there. Uh, so I do think it's not as effective as say linebackers, cornerbacks, which we've touched on already. But I do think that. The fact that these guys are playing so well, Mackay Becton, 79.7 grade, Tristan Wirfs, 76.4, and Wirfs went against Cameron Jordan. Like, Wirfs has gone against real competition. Mackay now, obviously, he was going to face Bosa, a handful of reps that he did well against Bosa, but then Bosa got hurt very early in that game. So we didn't get to see that matchup. But still, I mean, you're playing NFL players. To grade that well is impressive. And to put some context to these grades, so 76.4 there, 79.7, there's only been six offensive tackles in the last decade to play a to start for a season and earn a grade over 75 wow only six in the last decade taylor decker jack conklin ryan ramchick tyron smith justin Pugh, and matt khalil it's a pretty good track record khalil obviously fell off a cliff with injuries and whatever the else hell was going on there in minnesota but guys who grade out well early on in their career those are elite offense tackles in the nfl it's, a, it's a, a good it's, sign it's an offensive lineman version of dominator rating maybe would you would you, <laughs> would you want to call it dominator rating well it's i don't actually <laughs> i don't even want to come close to calling it dominator rating it's just a very good sign when you are that good right out the gate uh and, and even jedrick will 66.4 grade he was he's only allowed three pressures he looks really good in pass pro that uh grades lowered because he has a lower run blocking grade right now but again i'm not really caring about the run blocking grade 
if you can do what he can do in pass protection. He looks he looks good out the gate. The only guy really struggling among the first rounders, Austin Jackson. Well, Isaiah Wilson can't even see the field and may not with whatever. Well, he's struggling in a different sense. Yeah, struggling in a very different sense. (laughs) Uh, Austin Jackson, though, he looked bad this past week against the Buffalo Bills. I mean, when he had to in the fourth quarter there, when they had to pass game on the line, he was losing pretty much every single time. It was some of his footwork, and we kind of highlighted that before the draft that he just wasn't ready to step in and pass protect right away. He's also very young, very young, no preseason, and his footwork and technique was up there with the one who needed it to improve the most. Yes. Like he is, he came into this draft and came into the season as one of the more raw offensive tackle prospects, obviously yeah. with the ceiling that everyone's chasing, but starting already, it, it, it's, it's been brutal to watch so far. Solomon Kinley has played better than him and obviously playing at guard, but he's had better to start. I, I know we didn't want to talk about it, but I just want to dip our toes in to the guards a little bit, Mike. Well, just, I wanted to touch on Andrew Thomas. Andrew Thomas. Hit Andrew we, Thomas didn't, we didn't hit him yet because... All these first-rounders, he has the second-lowest grade. Obviously, Isaiah Wilson hasn't played. 56.0. But I will, the caveat being, and I'm obviously making excuses because we have him as our OT1. I'm going to make all the excuses in the world through two weeks. He played Robert Quinn, Khalil Mack, and uh, Bud Dupree. Those were the three guys who's got, who have gotten pressures against Yeah, him. yeah, yeah. I, no one else besides Tristan Wirfs have faced that quality of edge rushers. Obviously, Makai had a couple reps against Bosa, but that is who he's faced snap after snap after snap, and he's gone. And Cleo Mack most, has been really good this year. And the he's most, been blown up this year. Yeah, and he has the most pass-blocking snaps of any rookie offensive tackle. Like, he's been thrown to the fire harder than any of those guys. And so 56.0 has been great, but I think uh, he's had a much tougher assignment. And honestly, going back and watching all the pressures – he is a little bit lungy. You see some bad stuff on tape there, but I think there's more good than bad. I, I would foresee, and I'm going to highlight his matchup this weekend, I foresee him turning things around here soon. Two guards I want to mention before we jump off of this topic. Damian Lewis and Jonah Jackson. Damian Lewis is a 77.9 grade right now, largely because he's a monster in the run game. His pass protection has been kind of brutal. 36.6 pass blocking grade so far this year. And then Jonah Jackson... I think he's been really, really good. I've been impressed with what Jonah Jackson has done. I, I went back and watched both games back-to-back. And, guys, Panca- we didn't highlight his run blocking enough, I feel like. We talked about him being a phone yeah. booth and pass protection, all this stuff. But, like, he has been really good at getting in front of guys and make, you know keeping them out of the play. Both those guys starting off well. Obviously, Damian Lewis, a long way to go in pass protection. Him moving laterally, you can just tell. If he, if he goes mm-hmm. against speed, he can get beat down a little bit. Yeah, he's... He is a horse, though. Like, he, you're not going to. Dude, he has, he, I think he has the biggest biceps I've ever seen. They were legitimately like, they were like, like thighs. They were bigger yeah, than my thighs. Probably. This guy is like the biggest arms <laughs> I've ever seen. He, he is 91.1 run blocking grade already, which is kind of absurd. But yeah, Jonah Jackson to me has been the most impressive in terms of the way he's done from a pass blocking and run blocking. Fairly just overall good player. And he, is only 66.1 grade because, again, he went up against Keem Hicks week one, Chicago Bears. Once he went up against a lesser sort of, you know, whatever, Green Bay, whatever the hell they were Dean throwing Lowry. out there uh, at DT last week, he pretty much dominated. So mm-hmm. I do think Jonah Jackson will take the W there. No, take not the L yet. On the no victory we'll laps. The no there. victory <laughs> laps. No victory laps just yet. All right, let's jump to our matchups to watch here. We're going to start with Mike. You go ahead and take the lead. Who are you looking at in the NFL, a rookie, a matchup you really like this week? So I want to watch Jalen Johnson tied with CJ Henderson for the highest graded rookie corner. And if you go to PFF.com, I just wrote a great piece. I'm saying it's great. It's a great piece about he's been nasty this year. He has been very, very good in a varied role. They're not 
they're asking him to do a lot of different things in that Chicago Bears defense, whether it's play man coverage, which he has two pass breakups playing man coverage, where it's play, you know, cover three off zone. He has a pass breakup in that, whether it's, uh, you know, play the flat and cover two. He's done a vast, a very, a very varied role there at cornerback and has played exceptionally well. But then he's also went up against, you know, mostly Quintez Cephas in that first game against Detroit. Uh, this past week against, uh, gosh, the Giants, he went, you know, Darius Slayton, whatever, their receiving core is not great. He's going up against the Falcons this week. Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, no joke. Like, they're going to they're gonna throw Dude, the kitchen sink at you. The toughest, guys the toughest duo to face if you're a cornerback in the NFL right now, nowadays, mm-hmm. because of how many, you know, double moves they run, because of how many deep concepts those guys can just torch you on. So What's wild to me. It's going to be fun to watch. What's wild to me is that so many people highlighted Jalen Johnson as a very scheme-specific corner. Like, had Did he, they? Yeah, I, I remember reading multiple reports that saying he had to play an offzone, couldn't keep him at the line of scrimmage, all this type of stuff. And I remember writing a piece kind of in contradictory, con- contradicting that stuff, saying he is scheme-versatile. You see what he can do yeah. in off-coverage and in man-coverage. So he has been really impressive to start. I think for cornerbacks specifically and safeties, you know, defensive backs overall, through the first two weeks – you, know, you can see highly graded plays, but it's 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 a very volatile position. You got to see this for the full year, but for the start, really couldn't have gone better for Jalen Johnson. So I'm excited to see him go against Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones, who, by the way, have been toasting everyone they've gone against. Julio Jones should have had more more production this past week. Obviously, had a big drop when Russell Gage made that dime of a throw, highest graded passer, I think, in uh, week two. If you only look at one throw. Um, <laughs> That was a die. My Where my match. Atlanta just finds those wide receivers that can sling it. I mean, you, you former quarterbacks or whatever it was. I don't know if Russell Cage was, but he looked like it on that day. Uh, my matchup, and it's not necessarily a matchup. It's more I wanted to see this player more. LaVisca Chanel Jr. from week one to week two is getting more involved in the offense in different ways. He's taking carries out of the backfield, getting involved on jet sweeps, running clear like 10-yard out routes at outside receiver, running from the slot, and Gardner Minshew is starting to gain confidence with him. I think, especially with them rocking James. James Robinson and Chris Thompson in the backfield, you're going to continue to He's see their best running back. Yeah. You're going to continue to see them get him involved in any way, shape, and form. He ran some Wildcat, I think, in week one. It's very similar to what we saw before the injuries hit at Colorado. I think it was what? It's 2018 season. Yeah. They had him as the Wildcat back, slot receiver, outside, taking carries, and that was when he was at his best. If he can stay healthy in this role, Man, I, I think he is a high-volume contributor for the Jacksonville Jaguars, and he's going to continue to get better from a force miss tackle perspective and just gaining yards after contact and stuff like that. So, LaVisca Chenault Jr., going against Miami, I just want to see how that role continues to develop and diversify. Yeah, glad you brought him up because I also wrote a piece on PFF.com about <laughs> ranking the most impressive starts to this wide receiver class. He was third. Nice. On that list, you had C.D. Lamb, Jerry Judy, and then him in terms of what they've done already. And it's because, one, the Jaguars have been willing to use him creatively, but I also think when you watch just his reps on the outside, him going against, you know, coverage out there, I've been fairly impressed. He's run a nice a handful of nice hitch routes. He had a nice post route that he didn't, uh, or it was like a more kind of like a corner post where he just kind of sold the corner for a second, got open, didn't get targeted on it, but I think you saw the skills there. Uh, I, I just want to see if they give him some chances down the field because that was, to me, one of his most underrated strengths was that, he was a monster at the catch point. They didn't give him a lot of chances at it because that wasn't what he did. And, you know, everyone criticized route running. He wasn't an exceptional route runner by any means. But if they gave him chances just, in, you know, sort of like Sage Sherratt at Wake Forest, if you just throw him up the ball one-on-one, he was out physicaling dudes left and right when he got those chances. So I do think it would be nice to see him get more downfield targets uh, this upcoming week. Who's your next rookie matchup to watch? My next rookie matchup is one that two, is because there are two rookies going up against each other. It's, a great game this weekend. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, rookie running back 
for the Kansas City Chiefs. Most productive rookie running back so far. Going up against those Ravens linebackers, Patrick Queen, Malik Harrison, two rookies. I'm excited. Just to see those guys rookies on rookies rookies on rookies. who doesn't like rooks on rooks yeah i mean that's that's always going to be fun i mean he had definitely ceh had a more a much quieter week two than he did in week one did not get off to the start that we had um on thursday night football to open the season my second matchup here is jedrick wills jr a guy that has looked lights out and pass protection to start this year first chase young We'll see him go against Chase Young of the Washington football team, who leads all rookies in total pressures with eight so far this year, which isn't a high bar. He was easily the best rookie pass rusher coming out. But I think seeing those two go at it will be a lot of fun. I'm sure the the broadcast team will highlight that pretty significantly. I think seeing those two and who gets the better of each other will will be a good one to watch this week. Rookies on rookies. It's another rooks on rooks, man. Who who doesn't like rooks on rooks? And I think this will be – so Jedrick Wills went up against whatever, Sam Hubbard. Past week, uh, who to go? The Ravens uh, in week one. The guys' names eluding me. They're uh, Judon. Yeah, go up against week one. So this probably just toughest test. Like I, I think Chase Young is better than both of those guys for sure. So this toughest test out the gate, and Chase Young gets you know another chance to prove himself after he kind of came back down to earth a little bit. Didn't have his dominant game this past week, so. I agree. Good Who wins that football game for you, Mike? Is Are the Cleveland Browns going to get in Browns. a little bit of a role here? What, so. what, what was your opinion? We didn't talk about this a ton, but Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield in that game had a much better game than you yeah. know the previous week. Where him, are you on Baker Mayfield? They got him a little more play action, a little more on the move, and I think that's always been – he's always been good at that boot action stuff and on the move. He's always been accurate and – not just the drop back from the pocket again and Scramble again. Scramble from get ga- ghosts. Seems like he gets starts getting in a rut when it's just drop back pass, drop back pass, drop back pass. So varying things up a little bit, I think it was good for him. And also going up against the Bengals defense is always going to be good for you. That'll be easy for a lot of people. All right. Um, I'm yawning here. Are you, am I boring you here? <laughs> no, you're not, you're not boring me. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm yawning too much here. Give me your third rookie matchup to watch here. It's a little early. Um, my third rookie matchup. And again, I kind of highlighted it off the rip. Andrew Thomas going up against the 49ers here. Kerry Hyder, most likely. Maybe Eric Armstead flips over to that side, whatever. But uh, an easy matchup, an easier matchup. See how he looks against, you know, lesser competition in the NFL here because, like I said, he's had a tough go of it out the gate. And being able to dominate, you know, weaker competition still has value. Not a lot of some some offensive tackles don't. You know, carry highs of the world still get pressures against bad offensive tackles. So if he's still allowing pressures in this one, then we can hit the panic button for the Giants. Okay. If in this one, if in this game, then we can he start struggles. talking about if they made the wrong pick. There you go. If if he if he does well though, I think you can be encouraged. So my my like third, Zan, you don't draft for this year. <laughs> my third year. rookie matchup, or I guess rookie to watch here, so is just the Giants, and that's your roster. But okay, continue. Sorry, CD Lamb going yeah. against Ugo Amadi of the Seattle Seahawks. CD Lamb has been the Cowboys' number two wide receiver. People thought he would be that number three for not saying from a positional alignment standpoint. I'm saying from, from yeah. a targets and reception standpoint. Right after Amari Cooper, CD Lamb's right there. And this past week, he looked really good against Atlanta. I think you're going to continue to see him develop they're going to continue to scheme him the football like they're going to try and throw him the football i think cd lamb takes another step forward and you had what cd lamb then jerry judy and then lavisca on your piece yes i think it's going to stay that way i think cd lamb's going to continue to look really good and, and develop really into dak prescott's number two option because you have the the tight end hurt uh blake jarwin's hurt mm-hmm. michael gallup maybe not living up to expectation outside cd lamb there for number two and i think ugo Mati is in for a bad day man that guy just gets cooked by whoever it is even the playoff game against Devontae adams that was a rough one to see i think uh he's in for a tough matchup against cd yeah ugo Amadi's career stats he's been targeted 22 times 
He's allowed 19 catches for 164 yards. Oh, man. It's 8.6 or a little over 8 per uh, target. Not a single pass breakup in his entire career. It's just not been good for him. It's, it's been a tough start. start it's been a tough start. And um, I think C. Lamb's going to add insult to injury there for sure. And C. Lamb has played exclusively from the slot for Dallas. They like what they got in Gallup and Cooper on the outside. I, I honestly think skill set wise, that makes the most sense. Like mm-hmm. I wouldn't. I, I I think they all. I think Cooper. I, I would. If I were the head coach there, I'd probably move Cooper and. Lamb, like inside outside more, and Gallup's probably best on the outside. But I would get those guys being a little more versatile. But Mike McCarthy obviously just likes what they got in terms of just static alignments there. But uh, I don't blame them. The offense has been pretty good though so far. Yep. All right. Uh, Green line picks, baby. Courtesy of PFF Green Line, which you can get with your PFF Elite subscription. Their betting dashboard for the NFL and NCAA offers projections on against the spread, money line, and totals every single week for every single game at the NFL and collegiate level. Mike, go ahead and kick us off. What is your NFL Green Line pick this week? My pick is a what I would call somewhat an overreaction line early. Mm. I've been I've been trying to attack those, and I think it's the Chargers. I, I'm picking the Panthers who are getting six and a half against the Chargers going out to LA. And I've kind of just, I, I don't, I feel like home field advantage is just off the table at this point. I, I, I don't, still think travel matters. Travel matters. When you're going to, when you're flying that much and going across, I, I think travel matters, but go ahead. Okay. One point, whatever. <laughs> six and a half is crazy to me because the Chargers are averaging 18 points a game. They're not scoring. And, and if they're going back to Tyrod Taylor, they're really not scoring. And, yeah, and that, I get that. That's Carol- interesting. I get the Carolina's defense is definitely not good, but you know, it kind of takes two to tango. The, the Chargers faced the, the Bengals and scored 16 points. So they just don't have uh, a good offense in this, in my opinion, especially with Tyrod Taylor at the helm, which they're saying they're going back to Tyrod Taylor, which we, we got to talk about that after I, I make my point on this line. But the Panthers' offense is good. The, the, I truly believe that with Teddy Bridgewater and uh, you know the weapons they have offensively, they can take advantage of this charge defense. And now no Christian McCaffrey, which almost might be a blessing in disguise because they're going to give it to Teddy Bridgewater more and tell him to pass the ball. I mean, they're going to give it to DJ Moore yeah, more, exactly. Robbie like, Anderson more. Like Curtis Samuel might get, actually get involved in the offense. I, I think there's more. better weapons so. moving downfield. I would agree. I think um, – Talk to Six me and about this. Just a lot for a team that can't score main points offensive. Talk to me about this Justin Herbert versus Terod Taylor. You had a little tweet blow up I saw with about 300 passing yards, or whatever, which box score yeah. stat scout over here. But Justin Herbert looked really good for really encouraging. encouraging. I think encouraging is the best word. word. Encouraging in that game against the Kansas City Chiefs that he nearly won. Mm-hmm. And then you have Anthony Lynn rushing to the podium to tell everyone, whoa, 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 pump the brakes yeah. on this rook. I know you guys are excited. So is the Chargers social media team. But we're going back to my guy, Terod Taylor, after he's done, I think he was sick or something. Anthony Lynn, I don't think anyone likes Tyrod Taylor more than Anthony Lynn. Like, not even Tyrod's mom. Like, the, the, he gets some. <laughs> Hugh Jackson over, loves Terod Taylor. Uh, gets him over back from Buffalo, uh, you know, I don't want to say runs Philip Rivers out of town, but they refuse to sign Philip Rivers so that they're starting Terod Taylor. And then after a pretty brutal opening week offensively, he has a mysterious chest injury before the game, which was weird to begin with. And then immediately afterwards, I mean, I hope he's okay. I mean, yeah, so yeah. don't just don't just okay. do that. It's to mysterious, it. but um, and and like you said, Justin Herbert looked like he belonged. Now I'm not, I'm not, it wasn't. There was two very impressive throws. But the, the bigger thing was uh, the touchdown throw and then the throw to Keenan Allen over the middle of the field. But the bigger thing was it didn't look overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Pressure came. 
He wasn't hesitating. He wasn't late to stuff. That's what you worry about with rookie quarterbacks. If they are just not getting to their reads fast enough, and if when pressure comes, they're just panicking, that's when you got to say, okay, sit them down, like let them gain more comfort in the offense, get them gain more command of these plays, and then throw them to it. There was none of that. There was literally none of that on his tape. And that's when, like, if if a guy is a first-round pick, you're tapping him as your quarterback of the future, and it's not like you have, you know, Aaron Rodgers starting and you're Jordan Love, and yeah, maybe he'd look really good, but it's Aaron Rodgers starting. Yeah, yeah. You got a guy who was backup last year, a guy who was backup the year before that, a guy who's had one actual good season at the quarterback position. At that point, roll with the I also band. think I also think it's important with these know decisions. What you have. With these decisions you specifically. Okay. With these decisions specifically, I think it's important yeah. that you are riding with the front office as well. Like if you if the front office of the Chargers is saying no. We're sticking to Rod Taylor. This is what we want to do. He's not ready. Then what? Anthony Lynn is really smart to do that because that's who calls the shots. Sorry. But if the front office and every Chargers fan and the Chargers social media team, you, everyone else, is pushing for Justin Herbert and Anthony Lynn is staying pat with Tyrod Taylor, he's putting his neck out there. And I don't think you put your neck out there for Tyrod Taylor if you have all those people, all those people kind of pushing you the other way. Because there's no con or concern with going with the hot hand or public perception, especially if the front office is on board. I had the same take when we were talking about Joe Burrow going to Cincinnati it's like some people were saying well if they go Herbert remember like the whole rumor scare or whatever it was it was like if you go Herbert against the entire Queen all of Queen City wanting you to grab Joe Burrow you're sticking your neck out there for wrong reasons and I think that would be what Anthony Lynn is doing especially at the front office in Los Angeles is pushing for um, Justin Herbert yeah we had an Instagram poll but now very scientific but that I said who should we start Herbert or who should the Chargers start Herbert Tyrod 90% Herbert 90%. 90%. Which surprises no one. Yeah. The only, the only, <laughs> I, so b- back to our Terod Taylor-like rankings, I know Sam Monson's a big Terod Taylor fan as well. Yeah. I would probably go Anthony Lynn, Terod Taylor's mom, <laughs> Hugh Jackson, then Sam Monson. Sam Monson. That's probably where my ranks are. Um, all right, my green line pick. And, and then Sam we- even said, you get down to four, and Sam said start Herbert. So, <laughs> so there so you go. only three guys that would start Terod in this There situation. you go. My green line pick, and I don't think this is an overreaction line. I just think heavy favorites for the Baltimore Ravens here in Baltimore taking on the Kansas City Chiefs, and you can find that number at Chiefs plus three and a half. Mm-hmm. And I think if you can get it at plus three and a half, it's a smart play. If it's at plus three, minus, you know, plus two and a half, maybe you don't. But I think plus three and a half, I think they keep this game within three. I think the Chiefs offense didn't look great against the Los Angeles Chargers, but I think they get back on it. They have a guy, and an Eric Eager and, and George Shahuri, who uh, run the PFF forecast, another podcast you should listen to, talked about how the Kansas City Chiefs are the best at winning football games they shouldn't win. There's a chance that they go down in this game against Baltimore and they start to pour it on with the four-minute offense of Gus Edwards, Mark Ingram, and J.K. Dobbins. But... When you have an offense built around Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, etc., you can come back in any game. I think to that reason, whether it's a backdoor cover or an outright win, I think they cover this plus three and a half. Yeah, this to me is a pick. Like I, I think, yes, the Ravens have looked very good this year, but the Chiefs are the Chiefs. I can see like, that number did. getting down to like minus two, minus one and a half by the time Sunday hits because yeah, you're like, going to see the sharps start to pour in. Like, do you really think that the Chiefs' offense? Is like, is there really actually something wrong with it? I, I don't think so. I, I think it's just you know <laughs> you read a random down game against an also very good Chargers, very good defense. pass rush. Yeah, I thought the pass rush, pass was rush. A spe- was special, which uh, and, and I don't think the Ravens have quite that. Like they're going to have to blitz to get home, and that's how they get home. And blitz against Chiefs last week, last year we saw it, and the Chiefs, you know, housed them. Like mm-hmm. the Ravens came back late, but they won. You know, it was thirty three twenty eight. So I do think this one 
as a pick. And then if you're getting a field goal, like if you're getting the Ravens to also win by a field goal on that three and a half number, yeah, I really like that. Let's get it. All right, before we jump to the college version of this podcast, we're talking prospects to watch and more green line picks. We're going to get a message from our sponsors. MooseFit is a premium online workout program and remote coaching service that provides you with daily workouts based on your goals, the time you have available, and the equipment you have at your disposal. Gyms still closed because of COVID and you don't have any equipment at your home or apartment? MooseFit has a bodyweight program that will push you and challenge you. Hitting on a beach vacation and looking to tighten things up a bit? MooseFit has a physique program with 15 different pre-made programs. MooseFit has something for everyone. Additionally, MooseFit offers completely customized programs that are unique to each member. No two custom programs are the same. Purchase your MooseFit membership and a MooseFit coach will reach out to you with a questionnaire. Based on the information provided in the questionnaire, your MooseFit coach will either assign a pre-made program to you or will create your custom program for you. All workouts are delivered to members through an easy-to-use mobile and desktop application that allows you and your coach to easily track your progress and make any adjustments to your program that may be necessary. Founded by a former Army Special Operations CAPT and former Division I athlete turned professional CrossFit CrossFit athlete, MooseFit is well-equipped to help help provide you with daily workouts that will challenge you and help you reach your health and fitness goals. For PFF listeners, use code PFF50 and receive 50% off your first month. For more information, check them out on Instagram at MooseFit or their website, www.moosefit.co, not com.co. Everyone needs to listen to PFF's podcast network. We have the PFF NFL podcast with Steve Palazzolo and Sam Monson. The PFF fantasy football podcast with Ian Harditz, a new analyst here at PFF that is rocking it in the fantasy football industry. You have PFF forecast with George Tahuri and Eric Eager. Also have two for one drafts. I heard that's decent. And then unexpected points fantasy football podcast with Kevin Cole. That guy dives in the numbers better than anyone. He does a really good job with DFS, specifically showdown lineups. If you need to pick your captain, it's Kevin Cole. But if you need to pick your captain for DFS lineups, you need to listen to his podcast. PFF College Football Podcast with Seth Galena. Mike and I are on that podcast. PFF analyst Anthony Tresh goes on that podcast a handful of times. I think he's getting Ryan Day from Ohio State, a Hawaii wide receivers coach. This guy's getting a lot of good guests on that podcast as well. And then lastly, the PFF Daily Betting Podcast. 50 minutes, 15 minutes of daily betting advice uh, throughout the week. It's really encur- uh, really fun to listen to if you like to wager on the games. All first-time depositors at Monkey Knife Fight that put at least $20 into their account while using promo code PFF will receive a free PFF Edge annual subscription. That's a $40 value for just $20. And you'll get the opportunity to turn that $20 into even more money playing daily fantasy and prop games at one of the fastest-growing fantasy sports sites in the USA in Monkey Knife Fight. Go to Monkey Knife Fight and deposit your $20 with promo code PFF today to receive your free PFF Edge annual subscription. Mike's three prospects to watch. I am so much happier about this weekend slate of college football games than I was last week because it was tough pickings. And I had no, I highlighted no. last week Chaz Surratt, and then the UNC <laughs> game gets canceled against Charlotte. I, I mean, there was yeah, it was, Baylor it was so tough, dude. It was so tough to find games. But go ahead and kick us off with uh, your prospect to watch this week. Yes, my favorite one, TCU's back. We get to see that safety duo, duo Trayvon Morig, Ardarius Washington against... Brock Purdy and the Iowa State Cyclones? Are you kidding me? Brock trying to <laughs> trying to complete a pass more than ten yards down the field against those guys? I don't I don't know if it's going to happen after what he did against Louisiana, but I can't wait to watch. That to me is my favorite, just like sole game of the weekend because that's just going to be. I mean, and they're not good teams, but I think that matchup and just seeing 
what all those guys can do is just. It's I think that game could get ugly, Mike. Even though it's oh, only a, it's it. only a plus two and a half spread in favor of Iowa State, I might go money line there. I mean TCU. I mean you watch TCU's quarterbacks, right? But I mean they don't have Dugan now. This new guy could be better. Let's see. Um, my my prospect to watch here is uh, actually two. I got a little bonus for you, but it's Alabama taking on Missouri and specifically Jalen Waddle and Christian Barmore. I want to watch yeah. both these guys play football. I mean, I just want to watch Alabama play football. And I think you got Mac Jones as a starter. Jalen Waddle is in an opportunity to see a high volume of targets this year in the limited games they do, do get. And Christian Barmore has been highlighted by everyone and Terod Taylor's mom by, as a prospect to blow up this week. I mean, not this she's week, this year. And he's going, he's, he's going to, and that starts against Missouri. So both those guys, I think, are going to be increased roles blowing up in route to probably first round status in 2020 yeah I, I do i do want to see waddle's usage my second one was in the exact same game but i'm going to highlight a little guy from missouri as well as nick bolton missouri linebacker dude can ball going up against Najee harris dude That's, he plays that with... is a strength on strength i just like i want to see fullback lead uh other linebacker takes out the fullback and you just got a tight hole with Najee mm. harris and nick bolton going head to head Oh, who gets lower? Sounds like a Madden cover. Yeah. Man, that sounds uh, honestly incredible. Nick Bolton, too, it just plays mean. Mm -hmm. And I think when you see running uh, our big linebackers like him, and he's he's really athletic as well, going against Najee Harris, going against this Alabama offense that's going to try and put up points. I think he's going to have an opportunity to really put up or shut up, really. I I think Nick Bolton, this is huge for his draft stock to kind of show up against a good Alabama offense, both in the run game and in coverage. And Missouri's also got... Nose tackle, uh, Kobe, Kobe Whiteside. Yeah. So watch the big, big, you know who's a big fan of Kobe Whiteside? Anthony Trash. Yeah. So they're not completely bereft of prospects. So that'll be a good one. Alabama's interior offs line pretty good as well. So that'll be a good matchup. For those that don't know Anthony Trash, he's a PFF college analyst with us. Encourage you to follow him. All right. My next matchup's here. And I'm just throwing multiple guys here, but it's that Florida State defensive line. Mm. Marvin Wilson, Kane Doe, Durden going against. The Miami offensive line that has been bad for a while. We didn't get to see it against Georgia Tech. I know it was your pick, your blowout pick, where you know Florida State was supposed to just trounce Georgia okay. Tech. We, we didn't see to. that big defensive line yeah. step up. They I need, I want like four pressures apiece yeah. from these kids against Mar- uh, against Miami because that Miami offensive line is really, really, really bad. And if you're mm-hmm. going to put up, you know, your eight pressure game, your ten pressure game, uh, it, in a single game uh, in a season, it's going to be against Miami, Florida. I want to see all three of these guys blow up this week. Yes, and my last one, which you just stole basically all my matchups, but I put I a different matchup. Matchups. Stole all my games, but I, I same game. From you. We didn't see Hamza Nazarildian. We didn't see the FCU D-line because they barely played, but we didn't see Hamza Nazarildian at all because he has still recovering from his ACL. Has a good chance to play this week, and if he's going up against Brevin Jordan, the Miami tight end, who's been blowing up through two weeks at a 100-yard game this past week, I think something like 50 yards. His big catch was on that blown coverage, but yeah, he's, he's played well. But he's played well, three broken tackles already. I do think that that one, no clue if Hamza's going to be completely back. They said he was close at two weeks ago when he couldn't play. Hopefully he plays in this one, and that will be... Those two will go head-to-head, get a nice little feel for both their draft stocks. I think with with Brevin Jordan, what I've been impressed with is his usage. They love throwing him behind the line of scrimmage. They love throwing him near the line of scrimmage. Like, they know he's got yak ability for days. And he had that yeah. hurdle that I thought was pretty hot against Louisville. Almost scored on that one. He barely stepped out of bounds. He's I think like he just gave him a touchdown back there. Yeah, he, yeah he's dude, like, he's got a, a wild build. I, I bet him and Najee Harris are very similarly sized. Wow. Are you ready to fall in love with a Miami-Florida tight end again? Because I feel I like they've... if Najee Harris should switch to tight end. Stop. Now that I'm Stop. in this mo- mood. <laughs> You're uh, not in a mood. I mean... <laughs> Miami, Florida, though, has pushed out some, like, 
guys that people really like as draft prospects that have not panned out in the NFL outside yeah. of obviously what Greg Olson Greg Olson played really well Jimmy Graham um, but Clyde Walford was a bust mm-hmm. you know um, and Joku is still kind of like trying to be this big name but not necessarily yeah. there I, I'm interested to see where Brevin Jordan falls in that long line of Chris Miami Herndon. tight ends all right I have two I have a bonus matchup is that okay yeah. All right. Jabril Cox, the LSU linebacker going against Mississippi State, because this will be the first opportunity to see him against FBS competition. Yeah. I think that'll be big. And I, he earned 80-plus grades in back-to-back seasons with what, North Dakota State or South? North. North Dakota State. And um, I thought when you put on tape, probably the most athletic player on the field. <laughs> I mean, like, he has like actual like good movement skills to the linebacker he, he position. He reminds me of Darius Leonard, where he's just like not big, but he's so long and he's athletic that like – you could you'd still find with him playing linebacker with at that size. So I'm trying to see, yeah, is the SEC too big for Jabril Cox? And my bonus matchup is another tight end in Florida, Kyle or Pitts. Cox too big for the SEC. Cox too big for the SEC. Um, uh, Kyle Pitts, the Florida tight end, uh, I think is better than Brevin Jordan. Kyle Pitts is better than Brevin Jordan, but going against Ole Miss, and I think yes. Kyle Pitts's usage not it, a hot take is is very interesting as well because they don't get him involved by the line of scrimmage what they do is they push him downfield and use him like a wide receiver like he is a big bodied wide receiver he's got really good movement skills and he's just a monster like i think kyle pitts could potentially be tight end one in this class i know people love fryer i know people love some other tight ends here but kyle pitts is like i think rare in that what he gives your offense is probably better than something you get from other tight ends but however it also depends on what you want from your tight end do you want like an evan ingram receiving type or do you want like a blocker but kyle pitts man is damn good so i'm excited to see him go against Ole miss kyle pitts still listed at 240 though unfortunately really yes he died Man, that's that's kind of brutal, Mike. I don't right. like to see that. I, know, I don't right. love to see that. All right, uh, Lynn, we're going to finish the podcast here with our Green Line picks for the college level, powered by PFF Green Line, which you can get if you're an elite subscriber. Mike, where are you heading? I'm going back to the well. Back to the well. Back to old takes exposed. <laughs> Florida State. <laughs> you need to tweet about it. Half. You need to tweet about it. I'm not going to tweet about it. You have to tweet about it. You're a little ass fragile <laughs> person if you don't if you don't tweet about FSU. But if they actually play i can't even listen to you right now their d-line maybe i tweet about it if they maybe i maybe like 11 Tackle after, takes after two miller lights we tweet about it uh 11 plus 11 and a half yes it's an away game but again home field not too worried still in the state of florida um i, I do think they don't even have to fly they just take a bus I, I do think that that d-line has a big upper hand again if they fucking play them like if they play durden wilson kane do more than you know like 20 snaps that they played last time now wilson played like 40 but and if Hamza and this real dean plays I, I think they match up well enough to slow down this miami offense now can they score points i don't know but 11 halves a lot yep all right uh my pick and Greenline i think has a 1.4 percent edge or one percent uh 1.4 percent value in this game on this total here under 56 in the alabama at missouri game we just got done talking about how much talent there is on both sides of the ball but a lot of it's on defense nick bolton's one of the highest grade linebackers from a year ago you also have christian barmore dylan moses patrick Sertain. If, if this game goes over 56 it's alabama in a, in a fireworks show but i don't think i don't think we see that it's the first game for the sec you know, there's going to be some rust getting knocked off for sure. I think they could, it could fall under this 56 number just because of the defensive stardom and also a little rust getting knocked off for both offenses. You would be a guy that bets unders. I'm just saying. That makes a lot of sense. I bet with green line. <laughs> I bet with the the math in green line. I know how much work goes into put that putting that on the site. I'm not going to go in there and just like, well, I had like six Miller lights. You're that uh, guy. Like I really like Florida State against Georgia Tech. That's you. That's you, Mike. Bama's like, uh, in the red zone. It's, it's like third down. You're like, you're fourth down. You're like, kick it. Kick it. No. 
don't go. You for know that. who loves to bet unders is Eric Eager. Yeah. Watch a football also game. Watch a football game with Eric Eager where he's got like the under on the total, the under on the second half, mm-hmm. the under on like three dudes props, like under two and a half receptions yeah. for who was it? He was. I was watching a game with this past he's just weekend rooting against everybody. It was uh, Demarcus well. Robinson or some like third or fourth receiver for a team. He had under two and a half receptions. He's like, no, come on. <laughs> it's so funny, man. Eric Eager, a great guy to watch games with. But that's gonna do it for this podcast. Remember. If we, if you want Mike Renner to eat when he gets home, if you want him to put food on the table, you got to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Leave a comment. Talk about his new haircut. Don't talk about his haircut. Half the YouTube comments are, are, are about his haircut, but rate and review the podcast. Please do that to keep food on the table for the PFF guys. Also, make sure you subscribe to PFF, Edge, or Elite, or our new college football subscriptions. This is going to do it. Until next week, reviewing rookies and prospects, as always, Austin Gale, Mike Renner, 2 for one Draft.